and welcome to another episode of On the Floor with Wayne and Rob. I'm Wayne Highlander, National Sales Manager for Bone Adhesives. And I'm Rob Johnson from Bona Training. How we doing, Rob? Really good, bud. How you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. Did you get that picture I sent you? Which one? The one in my bathroom. Of all the, the, uh, the, the color swatches? Yes. Yeah, that's a nightmare. That's my girl. Man, that's, that that's too many options. my girl. It's just a bathroom, right? It's a small bathroom, too. I mean, it's small. Yeah, there's like 37 different color samples. There's 30, to be exact, 30 yeah. samples. And I said, I think half of them are white, and the other half are like beige. Yeah. So I walked into that. Now, I know I have mentioned on the show before that I had eight swatches on the wall one time in the bedroom. Yeah, I remember. And they were there for almost a year. And every once in a while, I'd see Pauline, you know, just standing in the room staring at it mm-hmm. in the morning, in the afternoon, at night, just so she could see where the colors are going to go. And then the other day, I walked into the bathroom and I said, oh, here we go. We'll be painting in 10 months. 10 months. I go, set your, set your watch to this one. Mm-hmm. So I just had to send you the pictures just so you yeah, crank me up when I saw you it. believe me that yeah. this is just part of my life. Mm. As a matter of fact, she has so many swatches on the wall, it's it's taken up a good chunk of the wall. I would think, you know, just one more swatches. 30 more and cover the whole place. Yeah, you're done. <laughs> yeah. have to paint. <laughs> All right, we got a lot to touch on today, so we'll kind of go quick. Um, we are going to talk about myths in the hardwood flooring industry. A lot of these are things that uh, during the course of our career we thought was a thing. We realized or found out that not so much. Uh, you know, when you're, you've got it in your mind that it's a certain way. Um, do you remember uh, Nirvana, Smells Like Teen Spirit, Nevermind, yes. of the Nevermind album? Which, by the way, that album changed the course of, of music on, on, it, on a, in a heartbeat, on a dime. It took away the, every hair band's mojo and left them in the dust. In fact, it probably killed hair bands. That grunge music that started, it, it made, it it made did. them. I, it, I, made, it absolutely did. Yeah, it made those other bands, those hair bands seem silly, right? They all just started pumping out their greatest hits albums. It's over. Yeah, not doing yeah. anything new. Yeah. So we'll do a greatest hits and maybe a Christmas album. Yeah. But when that song first came out and the song starts up and that heavy guitar and everything, and here we are now, entertain us. I thought was, here we are now in containers. For the longest time, I thought that was the lyrics. So sometimes you get stuff in your head that you think is a certain way and not so much. So maybe uh, we'll Blinded by the light. What? Blinded Blinded by by the the light. The song Blinded by the light. Yeah. Do you know what the words are to that? No. Blinded by the light. Yellow. Revved up like a deuce. Wander in the night. It's revved up like a deuce. Not what everybody thought it was i'll be darn yeah i never exactly yeah it blurred the lines a little bit there too it, that's right yeah right because uh, everybody heard that song the first time go, oh my god what'd they just say you can't say that uh revved up like a deuce you know what's this is a new one this is this is a first you and i both sang on the show that's right both well sang today do you remember uh, uh, Led Zeppelin's Stairway to Heaven? I thought uh, was, there's a wino down the road. <laughs> Maybe last time I see. And their lyrics are really as, as I wind on down the road. But everybody, it sounds like yes. there's a wino down the road. There's a I wino. I knew it was. Probably, probably 15 years I thought that was the lyrics. So anyhow, 
So, so sometimes everything you what you think is that was uh, pretty good Led Zeppelin. You you can really get that high. That's yeah. uh, you that's, know it's, that's tough. Yeah, to sing falsetto like that. Falsetto. I try to coach people mm-hmm. at karaoke night. Yeah, helping them pick out their songs, and on a song like that, you know, I say you really got to be able to hit that high note, man. Yeah. You know, it's like stay away from anything David Lee Roth does. You can't. You, well, you can't. You can't do David Lee Roth. Okay. There are certain there are certain people you cannot cover. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. And I'll tell you another one. Nobody can cover George Jones. Nobody. Nobody can cover George Jones. Uh, that's just the way it is. Um, you're right about David Lee Roth. Another one. You. I don't know how you. I don't know how you follow that. But real quick before we get onto our subject, I'm listening to a band right now. I freaking love man. And the band is called Midland, M is in Mary, M-I-D-L-A-N-D. It's a country band, but it's out of a, it's kind of a throwback. And uh, uh, they got a new album called On the Rocks. There's not a bad song on the album. It's, it is, I think it's the best album to come out in a long time in country music. And, and, and I don't like today's country music uh, very What's much What's the name all. of it? Midland? Yeah. M-I-N, excuse me, M-I-D-L-A-N-D. And the album is called On the Rocks. And I, I I can't get past it, man. I keep every time I get in the car, I listen to it. Uh, it so anyhow, uh, old crazy. school. It, it is kind of like a, a mixture of both, uh, but it's not that bro country music or that you know whatever. What are they doing with country music now? That that crap that's on the air for the most part. Boy, it's, I don't want to sound like an old geezer, but when I switch a station because I think, well, you know, what is it doing on the pop station? Mm-hmm. But I'm on the country station. Yeah, it was one of the, I, I remember, God rest his soul, good old Charlie Daniels, man, he did not like that. He, he did not like that kind of country music where you can't tell if it's country music or not. Well, country music finally got what they've been wanting since probably Hank Williams picked up a guitar. Country music has been struggling to find a younger audience from 50 years ago. Because old people don't buy buy albums, they don't go to concerts, they don't buy T-shirts, so they've been trying to get a younger audience, younger and younger younger audience. And with what's her name came out, I mean that the crossover, what's her name, uh, an album read or whatever is it? Uh, oh, the girl. The girl. What's always writing about ex boyfriends? Yeah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, uh, right Taylor now, Swift. Taylor Swift. Yeah. Taylor Swift. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah her worked. early stuff was very country. Yeah. And she's completely switched. Right. All right. Completely off topic. So let's go. So myths that we thought were, were a thing and then we realized over time is not the case. Go. Good floor myths. Here we go. Yeah. You got anything? More solids, the better. <laughs> <laughs> Do I have anything? More solids, the better. What the hell do you mean by that? If a finish is high in solids, it's got to be a better finish. Oh, see? See? That was not very well communicated. I was thinking you were saying more solids, like solid with flooring versus engineered. So you're saying oh, you're talking I about finishes. Yes. Oh, well, that's a whole different paint job. Okay, uh, the more solids, the better. Explain yourself, please. It's not how many solids are in a finish. It's the quality of the solids. Thank you for saying that. It's the this, quality of the resins. It's the quality of the solids. A satin finish is going to have more solids than a gloss finish because satin has flattening agents in it that do nothing for strength, yeah. but it's a solid. So that's part of the makeup. So do not I, get in that whole deal of the higher the solid content, the better the finish. Not true. Because... Solid what? Solid bird feathers? You know what I mean? Yeah, so, exactly. I, 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 you I'm, could throw so anything that, in there. Right. That, that has bugged me for the longest time. I, I'm glad you said that because it is so misleading um, that um, it bugged me more than I can tell you. So I'm glad to hear you say that. That is absolutely a fact. It is the quality of the resins and the solids versus the amount. Because, I mean, otherwise, whatever. We put any solids in there. Just put more and, you know, you won. Exactly. It's a ridiculous concept. So thanks. And and I mean, and that is why the entire world has been chasing traffic and traffic HD. 
Yep. It's not the solid content. It's the quality of the solids and the resins that we use, the yep. polymers, all of that. That's, that's what matters. Also hardness, by the way, do you have that down on your list? People think no. it's, it's a harder, the harder, the finish, the, the better. A absolutely not the case too. Um, I can tell you a manufacturer, oh gosh, back in the, I was going to say 20s, back in the 80s, came out with a product that said the hardest finish, it was rough, it was hard as hard as could be, extremely hard finish and, and failed because um, it didn't have all the other properties that you need in the finish. There's a lot of, a lot of th ways you, you, you measure finish, like maybe 10 different the metrics of what, how you determine what, what makes up the finish, that being one of them. And, uh, but there's many, many other, other products that are, that are extremely important. So that is also one that is just not, you, know, you can't say, well, it's harder. It's not, it's, not, it's not what people think it is. Yeah, because something I learned, an old timer, the guy, Mike Sundell, I'll say his name. Hopefully Mike is listening to the show. Uh, just one of the best guys I ever met in my life in the industry. And, and um, he was my dad's. He was one of my dad's first salesmen. So I met him when we were still doing bowling alleys. And like I said, he invented the T-bar, taught me how to pull the T-bar. And he was talking to me. He said, what I want you to do, I want you to go home, take a piece of cellophane, put some polyurethane on one side and some water base on the other and let the two films dry. He said, then I want you to take the polyurethane and try to pull it, okay, stretch it, and then do the water base. And this is the whole key to water base. When you stretch the water base, you could stretch it to 10, 12, 15, whatever, and it would go back, okay? It would go back. Polyurethane, like you said, hardness. Yeah. Hardness yeah. equals brittle. Boom. It just snaps. Doesn't stretch. Doesn't do anything. Yeah. So... Yeah, You're right. Hard, hard. Just because the finish is super hard, yeah, does not mean that it's going to have good wear capabilities. Not the answer. Yep. All right. You know what? You were so good. Go again. No need to abrade. I'm sorry. Boy, did I screw that one up? Hello. Need to abrade all coats. Yeah. And I, I really thought that I wasn't even going to use this one, but I had a crew come in last week um and i'm gonna i'm gonna tell you what they said and i'm gonna talk a little bit about this crew i'm gonna jump off track here because it was like a day at the un with that crew when i was talking to them about hot coating finishes right how you can't hot coat oil and you can't and you can hot coat the water you know the 48 hour hot coat window well, this uh, this guy is like, what, what are you, what are you talking about? So I really started to talk to the crew about it. Now the owner had stepped outside, you know, he had to make a call or something, and two of his workers are screaming to him, "Get in here! You got to hear this." I was the same guy. I mean, I used water base for years and years. Until literally one day I was just sitting it in the truck having lunch with Pete and I started to read the can and it said no mm -hmm. need to abrade as yeah. long as you're under eight hours. And I was like, what? I'm, read this. I said to Pete, I go, read this. Is this right? What? Yeah. I said to him, what do you think that means? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Surely it doesn't mean we don't have to buff it. Because you have to buff in between coats, whether it's oil, water, or anything. Well, yeah. they finally ran out, pulled the owner in, and you know this guy. It, they didn't realize that they had, and and it was one of those crews that he learned it from his uncle. This is the way his uncle did it, so this is the way they did it. Mm -hmm. But you know, they this crew also works on some big jobs. You know, three, four thousand feet. They're buffing in between every coat, cleaning, buffing and everything. Well, you know, they were just, they were just blown away. So even though I always thought, oh, that's an old myth and everybody knows it. Mm -hmm. No, that's kind of why I threw it up there. Think about the labor savings, man. If you ask me, 
My, what I hated to do the worst in this industry, if I could take away one thing that we have to do, it'd be vacuuming. I mean, you vacuum and vacuum and vacuum and vacuum. So you have to braid the floor and, and uh, to cut out that step because uh, you're getting a chemical bond is huge, man. Good. All right. Hey, this crew I had, I'm going to give a shout out to the guys from Above and Beyond Floors, Trenton, New Jersey. There are a couple guys that came from Poland. One guy came from Kazakhstan. Another guy came from Mexico. So, like I said, it was like it was like working in the UN. I mean, I've said it before. Nobody should have as much fun at school as we did at that school. I mean, just laughing the whole time. So we're almost done. We're probably halfway through the second day. And the owner says to me, Rob, what are you, uh, beer or, you know, beer or whiskey, man? I said, ah, I, I said, you know, I really don't drink. I go once in a while, I'll have a Zambuca on the rocks. That's, <laughs> you know, he's like Zambuca. What's that? Ah, it's kind of, I don't know. It's like a liqueur, like a li licorice type taste. Uh, I said, you know, I like it. Boom. The guy disappears. He comes back about two hours later. Ofredo was helping. Jeff Ofredo, he was also, it was his crew, right? It's his guys. They brought Jeff gift wrap, bottle of whiskey. Wow. They bought me gift wrap, bottle of Zambuca, but it was wrapped too. Mm -hmm. And I, yeah, you get a nice gift. Uh, I, I like it. It was nice. Anybody come to the schools, I love gifts. You want to keep giving me gifts? I'll take a gift anytime. Great. So then he pulls out another bottle of rosé Zambuca. I never even heard of it. Wow. He goes, ah, you know, I got this for Ross, blah, blah, blah. Okay, great. Next thing you know, he pulls out a bunch of plastic shot glasses in the middle of the school. Oh, no. He starts pouring shots for everybody. So I was like, oh, oh, all right, all right. And so then I thought, you know, so I'm like, ah, we really can't do that. And he goes please. He goes, in Poland, you know, this is how we show respect to our teachers. And he goes, this is, you know, what this is how we do it in Poland. So, you know, this, I, I said, okay, you know, what is, you know, one shot's not going to kill anybody. Mm -hmm. We all have a shot and we get back to work. And I'm thinking, you know, <laughs> don't run heavy machinery. Mm -hmm. Oh, the next thing you know, he comes walking around with another surround shot. I'm like, oh, oh, all right, wait a minute. You know, really, this this will be the end. Uh, they wanted to finish the bottle. So I was like, all right, we just got to turn the machines off. And we'll finish the rest of the day doing PowerPoint and testing and things like that. How about that? Okay. The craziest class I had ever seen. They had never pulled a T-bar. Okay. When I was showing them how to pull a T-bar, you want to talk about guys like a duck to water? I, I was like, okay. I'm almost calling them liars. There's, there's no way you've never pulled a T-bar. Wow. Or, you know, whether yeah. the alcohol made me a better right. instructor, maybe that yeah. was it, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. But the, the, like I said, it was like a shot out of the UN. Funniest bunch of guys, you know, hearing all the you know, the other thing about this job, my job, is I do train a lot of guys from all over the world, you know? Mm -hmm. And man, when you start, and I don't want to get political here, but when you start hearing what really goes on in socialist countries, Russia, Cuba, Poland, mm -hmm. Kazakhstan, Ukraine, wow, you people, people really need to hear these stories because it's just yeah. incredible what those people go through and what they go through to get here to, you know, get away yeah. from that and mayhem. We're, we're, we're watching a movie right now. My wife and I it takes place in a different country and uh, holy smokes. I, I told you that I said, everybody should have to watch this movie that never complains about what, what we have here. So, all right, we got a bunch more to get through. Uh, so go ahead. I like your, I like your, your list here, man. So why don't you just keep going? Uh, this was one my grandfather used to say, Robbie, the worse it stinks, the better it is. Yeah. Talking about finish. And it was that same day. I remember the guy 
looked like he was pouring milk out on the lanes and there was water-based finish had no smell at all and i'm thinking yeah. it's got to be the worst finish in the world yep yep we all Turns thought out that. it was the best yep finishes um uh what do you call it um uh wood filler you know that was the whole thing i mean it, it, it had a, had to stink it had to have all them chemicals in it to, to be effective oh. all right good stuff um well hell keep going i like your list deeper the scratch is best for intercoat abrasion now i guess this has got to be one for real old timers like you and i mm-hmm. remember we used to do intercoat abrasion with a used 80 grit screen oh, yeah yeah right yep. And the gouges that we were putting in those floors to yeah. get that another get another coat on there. Gosh. And what I found out, and you know, everybody knows I work for basic coatings and I work for Bona. And when you hear the same thing, I think, when I hear the same exact thing from both labs, you're know, like, all right, this has got to be the you know, the real one. Mm-hmm. And both labs, um, <laughs> said the same thing that it's not the depth of the scratch it's actually how many scratches you're going to put in the more scratches you get in that floor the better your adhesion so you know a maroon pad is going to give you uh you know it's a 320 grit so you're going to get that many more scratches than you would if you're using a used 120 screen or whatever yeah and it's not the depth of the scratch that holds the finish it's the number of scratches yeah. Um, it's funny. I, you, you, as soon as you said that, it brought back memories of, of uh, uh, you know, having my box of used screens and kind of filling them. Say, well, how, yeah, well, how used is this? Is this used enough? Or not having a new one and going out into the garage and burning it on the concrete to get some of that aggressiveness off like a 150 screen so I yeah. could trust it. And then we'd start in the back of the house, scared to death that it was going to leave, you know, any any scratches in the floor so man i don't miss those days all that's right that's what i love about the the maroon pads and our diamonds yep man water-based finish take two of those 240 diamonds put it on a double stack maroon pad and you will just have it barely removes any depth of finish yeah bum and yep. i did that gym a couple of years ago and that was ex- the exact system we used the maroon pads with the diamonds on top, uh, you know, diamonds underneath. Mm-hmm. We laid down a coat of 350 and we came back in the next day. And uh, the custodian goes, no, nah, it's not dry. It's still not dry. Mm-hmm. And I looked at Bum and I go, if this isn't dry, we're in so much trouble. Because I think we had laid the coat around three o'clock. So... But when you looked at that floor, it looked like we had just laid the coat. It looked that wet. Nice. And nice. it was it was dry as a bone because the guy yeah. lost his breath when I took a step out on the floor. <laughs> yeah. I go, no, she's dry. And he's like, no way. I go, yep, dry as a bone. Walked right out on it. Wow. So, I mean, wow. compared to the old days when we were, yeah. like you said, when you were, <laughs> you were dulling up 150 screens so it wouldn't. It's amazing what yeah. we can do now. Oh man, it's a, I mean, you look at the advances in the industry. That surely is one of the uh, one of the one of the, the most notable ones. The intercoat abrasion systems out there. Yeah. So and the the diamonds game changer. Oh yeah yeah. All right, what else you got? Two part epoxy is the best for repairs and molding. I really like threw this one in for you. Explain that one, though. Well, you're the National Adhesives Manager. I thought you'd have a blast with this one. Well, where a two-part epoxy is best. If if the the moves, if anything moves, the epoxy shatters and we have no bond. Um, No. Wow. Two-part two epoxy is sometimes the best for repairs and in, 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 uh, molding. So I'm, I'm, I'm talking about windshakes and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Hairline cracks in the, in the boards and that kind of stuff or, uh, or uh, you know, that, that type of repair. For a board still, repair. Yeah, for a quick, you know, for a quick one. 
Okay. Uh, yeah. So I I still like I think there's a place for them, and and I always have a, have a you know epoxy kit in my in my van for doing repairs for just that for like a windshake. Or okay. Something. So I think what I should have said on this was when I said repairs I meant patching. Okay. Okay. Hey, listen. No need to be embarrassed. So uh, we'll go on to the next one. <laughs> <laughs> No, I see what you're saying. Yeah, for, for repairs, absolutely. Especially, you want that floor to have the elongation properties of, of, the, of adhesive, right? You don't want them so, so you know, tight that they won't move and give it all. You got to have right. some of that elongation. So, yeah, in that, in that regard, I agree. So, that's what I meant by that. Okay. Patching. Yeah. You're not going to yeah. use, well, the old days, we used epoxy to patch everything. Yeah, now, bad, bad, that's bad. That's the idea. last thing you want to do. Yep. All right, yeah, you and I need to have better production meetings, I think. Or at least a production meeting. <laughs> you know, you know, things are tough if we're using all your notes. But go ahead, uh, go, go on to the next one. Low-cost tools, bits, blades, save money. I have to say I never did think that way. That was never a myth that I thought. Oh, I, I, was, I always. That, uh, that was so me. Really, I'm oh. the opposite to a fault. I, I think it is my stems. my son, and sometimes I still fall into that to that trap, you know. And my kid says to me, "Dad, if I see one more Diablo drill bit or Diablo saw blade, I'm gonna bang you in the head with it. You gotta yeah. stop." And he was showing me, you know, his saw blades, and yeah. You know, they're $80, $100, but, you know, make beautiful cuts. They're perfect. Where, oh, man, I just got into that. No, that's good. Uh, uh, like, well, you know, I can buy five Diablo blades compared to your one blade. And yeah. He's like, yeah, but a brand new Diablo blade isn't going to make a beautiful cut like my blade does. Yep. And when I, you know, another one that he got me with was, his uh, Festool palm sander. I don't know what he paid for. I think he told me he paid like 400 bucks or something. Mm -hmm. Like, what do you got here, mind? I can buy, I can buy 10 palm sanders for $400. Yeah. And, and he goes, just, I'm going to save you some time. He goes, don't say another word, just use it. Try it. Yeah. So I guess that was my myth. Low cost tools, bits and blades, save money. Yeah, because they don't save time. I'll tell you that. No, they you end up having to buy them over and over and over again. Uh, so yeah, I'm I'm kind of the other way around, and maybe even to a fault. And I I have, by the way, yeah, you know, I'm I'm huge into bass fishing, or you know, and and I'm and I'm you know I'm a tool guy, but I have no love for for old old fishing equipment. I have no love for for old. I don't have no romantic feel about old tools like some guys will put old saws in their in their house or in their in their man cave or something or they'll put you know or they want to buy old fishing equipment because oh it's old i have zero interest in that i want the best technology you can get so that same with the, like old corvettes and everything i love the way they look but would i would i spend the money on a, on a really nice old car like that no because it doesn't have the air that comes up to your seat have you ever had one of those by the way oh you haven't lived until you've sat in an automobile that has cold air flowing up your butt. I'm telling you, Rob. This is important I, to you. I was uh, hugely important. I was in an F-150 truck, I think it was, driving to a job site in Michigan with somebody looking at a job. It was hot as could be. We are sweating. It was hot. We're driving down the road. I said, oh, my God. Is there, like, air conditioning flowing through the seat up into my body right now? He goes, yeah. I went, oh, I got out my phone. And I put that on my list of things I need to have in an automobile. That was the greatest thing I've ever seen in my life. I have zero interest in an old 1968 Z28 Camaro. As much as I love the way they look with funky bucket seats or whatever, that doesn't have all the new technology. So there I, you go. I don't think there's any prettier car than a 72 Stingray. Yeah, I, I mean, that is got to be the one of the most badass looking cars in the world. 
but what a horrible ride. Yeah. They all were. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 69 Chevelles, the Z28s, all the, all, all them, you know, the RS Camaro. All, all of them, man. They're beautiful to look at, but no, I'll give me the yeah. new technology. Yeah. All right. We got so many, we're going to keep moving. Uh, would acclimate it at my distributor. I actually never thought that was the case either. I never thought that the wood is acclimated by distributor, but I guess some people probably do. A lot of people do. Wow. Okay. And especially when the distributor tells you, no, we keep our, uh, we keep our place acclimated. Yeah. It's not acclimated to the job site. Mm -mm. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. All right. Been doing this for 40 years. And I don't need no training. I don't need no stinking training. <laughs> Uh, Sierra Madre, the treasure of Sierra Madre, one of the greatest lines ever in a movie. We don't need no stinking badges. Badges? Badges? We don't need no stinking badges. You remember that movie? Is that where that came from? I thought that came from a Clint Eastwood movie. No. I don't think so. No, I know the scene. Yeah, definitely. Oh, damn it. I have to look it up. Speaking of movies, while you're looking that up, I watched a movie the other night. I don't know if you've seen it. Have you ever seen the movie The Irishman? No. I know you live it. <laughs> you haven't seen this one yet? No. Uh, is it new? I think it might be a year or two old. Scorsese did it. Pesci's in it. De Niro. Uh, I don't. doesn't re ring a bell. Um... Yeah, it came from the 1948 film, The Treasure of Sierra Madre. Okay. 1948. Classic. Anyhow, go ahead. Sorry. Uh, I don't recall the movie. It's, um, mm, 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 mm. There's another big star in it. Can't think of his name. Who is the guy who was the coach in any given Sunday? Big time actor. Uh, De Niro? Not De Niro. Um, um, Al Pacino? Pacino. Yeah. So it's directed by Scorsese. Pacino's in it. Pesci's in it. De Niro's in it. It's about Jimmy Hoffa. The whole Hoffa story. I did see that movie. I did see that movie, yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Where Pacino was Hoffa? Yes. I yeah. thought he was a great Hoffa. He, he, you know, he was, but I'm, I'm over that that mafia movie now i'm i'm, I'm tired of them I, I, they've been done they they're they're played out i i god i kind of sound like such a snob here i really had a problem with the aging of the characters well yes to see I de agree. niro trying to play a guy in his early 20s it just it was confusing I would okay. hope that they just find somebody that kind of look like him and do it that way, but where they're all playing younger versions of themselves. Yeah. It was a long movie too. I had to take a break during that movie. Okay. So, okay. So since you said that, I just, I saw not too long ago, uh, Clint Eastwood's last movie, Cry Macho. That dude needs to stop making movies. Someone <laughs> needs to get a hold of him. That's the worst damn movie I've ever seen in my life. And in one part of the movie, he's on a horse, training a horse. And, but then they showed him when the horse was going crazy, they, they, it was a wide shot from like 60 yards away. I kept thinking, if that man falls that horse, off that horse, he's going to break a hip. Uh, and then he had a love interest who was like 45 years old, younger than him. 45 oh, yeah. years younger than him. Get out of here with that. Come on, man. It's over. I loved you, man, but it's, it's, everybody's got a shelf life. All right. What do you think of the mule? The mule. The mule. The mule. Oh, I uh, didn't like it. Didn't like it. No, I'm oh, I'm over him. I mean, so you I, don't like his uh, his really old guy, Grant Torino. No, no, mule. I don't remember him back in the day when he was the man. And uh, yeah, so no, I didn't like the mule. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I like Grant Torino oddly enough a little bit because it was kind of more his character. He was a tough guy, and and it worked in that movie. So. Yeah. All right. What else you got? I don't know. Where were we? Peeling finish can be fixed with a screen and coat. I have to say, 
No way. Yeah. If it's peeling, you put finish on top of a floor that's peeling, usually it's just going to cause more peeling. Finish dries, it pulls tight. It pulls tight, it's going to find weak spots that's going to peel again. Yeah. It's, you got a peeling floor, a screening coat isn't going to fix it. You got a sander. It's like putting a house on a bad foundation. It just doesn't, doesn't work. It, exactly. Exactly. Uh, buffer runs any direction. It's spinning circular. Yeah, we know we got to clock the buffers. And it's amazing how many guys come to the school. I guess it's because I'm in training and I've been in training for a long time. So, you know, a lot of this stuff just seems like second nature. But there's a lot of people out there, a lot of guys come to the schools like, come on, doesn't really matter, does it? And I was like, well, you can, you know, one of the things I've been showing guys, you can only heal it on that right corner. Mm -hmm. You know, you try yep. healing it to the left, it doesn't go. Doesn't, so doesn't work. Yeah. Doesn't work. So. Clock in the buffer. Um, big machines uh, go left to right or right to left. Doesn't matter. Well, actually, we know it, it does. It does matter. Yeah. You can run them the wrong way. Don't get me wrong. You can, mm -hmm. they'll run, they'll cut. The problem with running them from the right side of the room to the left is you have that outside wheel that's not gonna run where the sander has sanded yeah yeah so anything it hits it telegraphs to the cut head yeah that's a fact um and i know some guys still have a hard time with that when they say oh, i've never had any problems i've never had any problems i run the belt sander right to left but they are truly designed to run left to right in the old days the drum sanders well drum sanders are, are designed to cut from right to left yes uh back in the day but and also they were usually slanted at an angle but back then too the milling wasn't near as good as it is right now we have to thank pergo and those those type of manufacturers for that in a way that uh the the milling of the floors got much 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 better and uh you don't have so much overwood the stock wasn't like really peaked up over the next one and 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 then you, you had to grind so much of that off the, the floors come out now are are way better milled than they were in the past so uh, the more it coats, the better. Yeah, that can, uh, that 100%, I agree with that one. Um, you know, I've had customers tell me that, hey, uh, I'll give you another $500, just put one more coat on it. And we'll tell them, no, we don't want the money. Uh, you've got three coats on there. It doesn't need another coat. Uh, you're walking on that last coat. You got a lot of build there. You got a great system. And um, you just don't need that next coat. So save your money. Well, Sometimes too, what um, what I used to do, and what I, you know, tell our students, you know, you got the homeowner. You know, I did two sealers and two top coats. You're good to go. That's the, that's our recommended system. Well, you know, some of the homeowners. Well, if two top coats is good. I want four. Yeah. Okay. No problem. I'll give you four, but it's got to be on my time frame. I'll do the two and two. Then I'll come back in two weeks, abrade it, and then I'll give you another two coats. That way we know everything is completely cured. Can't be just because they want it. But the other thing is I never want to tell anybody no. And that's nice, easy money there too, right? Give them what they want, but it has to be done correctly. Yeah, and, and I think too that you can, the, the problem with putting uh, multiple coats on and, and like, let's say you had to do a repair, there's debris in the finish and you have to put a fourth coat on. And then God forbid that doesn't go good. Now you're looking at a fifth coat. The more coats you put on, the more difficult it becomes to coat. And I think it's like a surface tension issue. I don't know what, what it is exactly, but it, it does make it, it gets so slick. The finish almost can't lay down. And um, it, uh, we get these little tiny, tiny bubbles and stuff. I think that, uh, especially with oil base, the, the more you put on, sometimes the more challenging it becomes to-, uh, to and, uh, and that so. two weeks, that's for water base. Yeah. If it's oil base, I'll be back next month. Yeah. yeah. You wanna make sure that everything is cure, cured out completely and correctly before you start laying multiple coats on there. Cause I mean, that's what we know. That's why we recommend our, you know, our system 
two well, and two. We know everything's going to cure out mm -hmm. correctly. There's something also to be said for if you really knock that floor out of the park, like it's a 10 on a 10 scale. I really don't want to put that next coat on. You know what I mean? If we put up, we said we're going to put three coats on, we put three coats on, you knocked it out of the park. Let's let's take the win. You know what I mean? And not not tempt fate and put that fourth coat on, and all of a sudden you've got a job site first thing going on. Right. All right. Uh, pers personal protection equipment is for wimps. That was the mindset. It really right? was. Yeah. Yeah. I remember the name of this show, Wood Floor Myths. Yeah, that was I remember absolutely. the first time I put my uh, Pauline and my mother-in-law came out to a job one time. And we were doing a 16-lane bowling alley a couple towns away from where we live. So they brought the guys lunch. They brought us lunch. And when they came in, you know, my mother-in-law's a nurse at the time. Mm -hmm. And she could not believe the, the, the noise of the machines. I mean, she was just, you know, blown away. She could hear it out in the parking lot, but when she opened the doors to come in, you know, yeah. so she said to Pauline, she goes, you better get him some type of hearing protection. He's going to be deaf by the time he's 40. So she actually went out that day and bought me a set of hearing protection. And I think they're called Peltor. They're, they're the ones that the guys at the airport use. Oh, you know, man. those big ones like that. Yep. Yep. And I remember Pauline said, Oh, you know, I got you something. My mother got you something. And I remember looking at those thinking they will laugh me out of the building, you know? Yeah. And anyways, we're on a job and I'm edging inside of a closet and it's, you know, you, you've edged inside of a closet, right? Mm -hmm. Without ear and protection. So I was like, this is crap. I'm going to go get those, those earmuffs. I know I got them out in the truck. I put those earmuffs on. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. I mean, but man, oh man, the crap that I heard from every guy in that crew. Yeah. And I, I was, I was taking them off. Like, no, you got to try these things. This mm -hmm. is unbelievable. This is going to change your life. And they're, yeah. you know, absolutely never, no way. Well, my, the same guys who were pulling moisture cure with no respirators, no. Yep. You know the old timers. Yep. When I uh, when I asked for knee pads, uh, like six months into the trade of uh, hand sanding all day long, yeah, that's all I did for for six months is pretty much hand sand and hook. And um, I asked my uh, uncle for some knee pads, and I'll never forget what he said. What are you, one of those kids that wants to live forever? <laughs> so. All right, so I put down a few. I put down a few off my list of myths that I thought was was uh, it was the case, and that turned out not to be true at all. And one of them is orbital sanders. I just talked about hand sanding. We looked down our nose so much at orbital sanders. Oh my gosh! Uh, and when a new kid showed up on a job and asked if he could use one, uh, we were disgusted with him. You know what I mean? Like nobody used orbital sanders. We all hand sanded. It was the only way to do it right, and they turned out beautiful. Don't get me wrong. We hand sanding with 60 grit, they turned out beautiful. But there's a there's a better way to do it. Um, That's a real good one. You're right because yeah. I felt the same way. This is going to be completely controversial. This next one I'm going to say. It's a and, myth. Uh, it's a myth. And I still some people believe this today. And I I'm going to say something that the people are going to go, oh, he's out of his mind, or he's a hack, or whatever. You do not have to remove shoe, shoe molding on a sand, sand job. Now, is it smart to or whatever because you can charge money for the shoe molding or because you don't, you know, they, the shoe molding's beat up, you want to put down new shoe molding? Okay, I get it. But I can promise you, I do not need to remove shoe molding to, to, to sand the floor properly. And I'm not talking to be leaving digs in the corner or leaving little little halos or any of that kind of stuff. There should not be any of that. There should be zero of that. But you can you can absolutely, uh, we did a lot of historical work where we didn't want to, where we couldn't take off shoe molding and you, you could get uh, that, that uh, edger right up on it without touching it. It doesn't, doesn't count if you touch it, you can't touch it. Uh, and then uh, uh, sometimes you don't even need to, to, to use a scraper. You can, 
if you've got a good eye and whatever you get, you can get right up on there without kissing the 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 the, the molding, or you you got to hook it and use the uh, the scraper to finish off the end of it. And so the myth the myth would be that you have to remove it every you time. You have to remove shoe molding. Yeah. No, I, I wish I wish Pete was on the show. Mm -hmm. Pete and I hardly ever remove shoe molding. Hardly ever. It was There's just too much of a pain yeah. to, to do it, to get it back on there, put new on, you know, whatever. It was just way too much of it. No, we got to the point where we could get right up to the molding without destroying it, without really doing anything to it. Yeah. There are people that are adamant that, that uh, adamant that you have to uh, remove the shoe molding. I'm not saying they're wrong, but I'm saying I'm right. Um, <laughs> okay, so um, the other one is you can't raise your prices. Um, and that one is, that you know, we talk about this so much, I don't want to beat this to death, but there were, I mean, I absolutely thought that there was a ceiling and I thought that ceiling was, was here. Um, and it is way farther up than I ever thought possible. And you could raise, and we're seeing it with guys today that are actually making seriously good money because they don't, they don't have that limitation in their mind of where they need to be because someone is at this price. So uh, now it is more um, uh, relevant today than ever in the, our history. Inflation has gone up higher now than it ever has. I mean, you've got to, got to, got to raise your prices. Um, you, you, you know, the materials gone up, whatever, and labor, and there's a lot of work out there. You've Everything got to raise your has prices. gone up. Labor, yeah, yeah. gas, material, yeah. Every, everything, travel, everything don't, has gone up. So you get, have to raise your prices just to survive. Don't get stuck thinking, I, I, I got to be a nice guy. Be a nice guy to yourself and, and raise your prices. You have to raise your price. Now, again, we're, Rob and I are not accountants. Rob and I don't know your business model or whatever. But we're in not my, psychiatrists. Yeah. We're not. Yeah. There's a lot of things. We're not doctors. No. In my my opinion, it's only my opinion, is that the really, really, that was one thing that I was stuck on as a young guy, thinking that 275 is the max, because that's what the big guys, that's what the the, the you know the the high end guys were getting. Even then. I'm sure it was way further on than, than we thought it was. So that's one of them. Every the training, one. almost every training I do, somebody will whisper in my ear, you can't get more than 250 at this time. Yeah. Every single. And there's always a guy in the back who's charging seven. Always. Yeah. Yep. And laughing. Always, well, always. There's a little bit of a BS factor. I'm, I'm, I will, let's, let's be honest. I mean, there are some times when, or there's regionally, there's like, I, I'm making, I'm doing eight bucks a foot, but the guy's living in Beverly Hills versus uh, a guy making four bucks a foot in Mississippi might be the same thing. You know what I mean? So there is that to account for, but right. in your area, you know, it's all relative. I got two more. One is um, um, CNC medallions. I thought, that would be more of a thing by now. Remember when they first came out to CNC, the, the router, the medallions that you could buy, the, all the, the, the board Oshkosh. work and stuff? Great yeah, company. It, the Oshkosh. Oshkosh medallion was the, the greatest medallion of all time. It came with everything you needed. Yeah, the, the bits bit inside, the template and everything. Template, the bits, everything. I thought that was like, wow, this is the direction in the industry. There's going to be a lot of these. It's going to be very common to do these. And it really still is a small small, small part of the industry. Um, so um, that you know, really died quick. It did. And, and they look dated a little bit when you see them floors right now. So, and here's the do, thing too. Do you remember, did you have, cause Tom Piotr got me a set that I used to keep in a, a big tube and they That's were cool. like, they were like a vinyl version Slip of tones. the medallion so you could during an estimate you oh take yeah this, take it out and throw it on the floor and go look yeah. i can give you this yeah put that out on the floor and once i started doing that i thought oh i'm gonna sell a medallion with every job yeah and and, and uh, it's 
Here's the thing too, is uh, with, with, with uh, these laser cut products, um, they're so perfect that um, there, there's something to be said for a hand cut for, even if it is not as perfect as a, as a perfect CNC router. And it's like, um, if you see a horror movie back in the thirties or forties or whatever, where, you know, it was black and white, it was grainy. It was, there was no phenomenal special effects but they, they just worked, you know what I mean? They, they got into you know, they're really, really scary or whatever, versus today, like with CGI and all the, the special effects and how, you know, they can make it, they can make anything now, but it doesn't have the same feel. And I, I think there's something to be said about hand cut floors, even if they're not as fancy as some of the, the CNC cut medallions. But anyhow, I thought medallions would be a real bigger thing than they are. And my last, my last myth, that I thought is that you have to do this alone. You're on your own, uh, running a business and, and starting a business and running a business and 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 you, you know, because you know, there's nowhere that, where do you get any help? You're on, you're doing this on your own, and um, I'm you're uh, that's a myth. Uh, there are people that uh, the, there's mentoring programs out there. There are people there. There's organizations that will help mentor small businesses. I wrote down a couple of them. One is Score. S-C-O-R-E is, uh, if you can Google them, there's like 300 chapters in America. Uh, another one is the SBDC, uh, Small Business Development Centers, that uh, you can find it, get some help, get some mentoring on, uh, you know, so there's a, that's something that I would have, when I was a 25-year-old kid, man, I didn't, I know, didn't know anybody that would really, you know, with that, you know, other than, you know, my father-in-law, whatever, whatever little knowledge, and he wasn't, you know, uh, a hell of a lot of help <laughs> but um uh, you know if there was organizations out there that were like that then i i would have been what a huge why not take advantage of these some of the most successful people i know in this industry today uh, uh have have used mentors and have become mentors so uh yeah so just maybe keep that in mind now I don't have the time to be a mentor to, to, to anybody, <laughs> you know, uh, but, but in another circumstances, I would, I would, uh, I, I, I would probably would enjoy that. Maybe you could point somebody in the right direction, just like you just did. Yeah, there you go. That's, that's what, my mentor. There you go. Yeah. yeah that's Because I have a feeling I would say, well, how come you didn't do this yourself? You want me to do this for you now? Huh? Or, or get your act together before you come to me. There it is. I mean, you're a, yeah, you know, yeah. that's what people don't understand about you. You're a giver. That's a, that's right. You are a giver, man. All right. So those are some myths, and and we have you pointed out with one time, Rob, that with this our generation has probably seen the some of the most changes in this industry. Uh, if you look at where we started our career to where it is right now, who would have thunk uh, all the changes that we would see? And uh, and so and it, it, the other thing is it is always evolving. This is ongoing. Uh, and it'd be interesting, even 10 years from now, uh, the changes in the industry that'll be out there. All right. Got it. So there you go. Thank you very much. It's been another episode of On the Floor with Wayne and Rob. Please stay tuned for another episode.